Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio. Super big thanks to Ace Andrews. He'll be engineering the show today and taking your phone calls. Have you joined the I Work For Him Nation? Have you taken time to consider what we're even asking? We're asking you, the Christ followers out there in Tampa Bay and our country, the United States of America and beyond, to consider these five things. We're looking for Christ followers who are willing to commit to their workplace and do these things. Start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Look for ways to serve the people that you work alongside. Look for ways just to go out of your way to make them feel special. Look for ways for you. That was one thing, by the way. Look for ways to befriend them outside of the workplace. Look for ways to pray with people when you notice that you're just having a rough day. But all along, you, the member of the I Work For Him Nation, we're looking for people that are committed to excellence, people that really want the Lord to be glorified with what they do, no matter what it is that you do. Whatever it is, we can bring glory to the Lord, and we're looking for people with excellence, to do it with excellence. So people are looking at you going, wow, you really care about your job. You really work hard at your job. What's what's different about you? All of these things are people what we're looking for to be members of the I Work For Him Nation. We're looking for hundreds of thousands of people across the globe to make this commitment because if we each make that commitment, we are going to make an impact on our world. If we take our faith to our workplace, it will make a difference. See, we need to remember that our workplace, it's our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. But it does take a paradigm shift in our minds to recognize this. Romans 12.2 says this, and I read this every day because I need to be reminded. It reminds us, says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Every day I need to be reminded to stop thinking the way the world thinks. The world wants us to be busy and crazy. The world wants us to put people aside and get dedicated to tasks. The world wants us to be focused on how can we accumulate stuff for ourselves instead of how do we get and accumulate people for the kingdom. Each and every day, I bring on a guest on I Work For Him that kind of helps take the message of I Work For Him to the next level. And today is no different. Today, we're talking with a return guest, a repeat guest, Ron Johnson. He calls... He's calling us today from the frozen tundra of Michigan, and we're talking today about his latest book that he just released a few months ago. Actually, it's probably not even a few months. It's probably less than that. What does God do from nine to five? Ron Johnson, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thanks. It's good to be here, Jim. 
You know, I, I know that you never ever thought radio would be the thing that you'd be doing when you wrote books. But when you wrote your first book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ, I loved that book so much, I drug you on air. I know. I know it wasn't like you're thinking, wow, I've always wanted to be on the air. Yet your book, that book touched me so much. When you wrote this second book, I thought, what a great question, because so many people really want to know. They really think God goes on vacation between 9 and 5. And you did mm-hmm. a great job of breaking that out in this book that we're going to talk about today, What Does God Do from 9 to 5? How long ago did the, the book get released? Oh, it was in February. So it has been okay, a few so months. Okay, it's, so it's, it's been several months already. Okay, so before we get into this, listen, you're a professor you used to be a manager in a customer call, a customer service call center. You are an author. How does Christ impact what you're doing today? How is Christ making an impact in your life today? Well, um, it, it kind of goes back to uh, that uh, uh, verse from Romans that you do talk about every day, about uh, the changing of our minds. Um, th- this past few weeks especially, I've had uh, Philippians 2. Uh, just very much uh, emphasized in my mind, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, that although he uh, was in the form of God, he made himself a servant. And I've uh, actually had that at my cubicle and have been uh, just reminded of it every day in the past few weeks. Because, you know, working in a customer service call center, you can get so wrapped up in the in the problems and the frustrations and so on, but when you just try to remember that uh, the Lord we serve is somebody who you know, really didn't have to do that. He voluntarily made himself a servant, and that's what I have, uh, have felt in at least recent weeks that I've needed to really focus on. Because like you say, Jim, we do need to constantly uh, uh, focus on how our mind needs to be different. And uh, I want my mind to be like his. Well, and how do you communicate that when you're teaching? You're a professor at Spring Arbor University in Michigan. How do you communicate that to your students? How do you help them recognize the fact that what they've been learning as they've grown up, how they need to change the way they think? How do you communicate that? Well, I teach uh, philosophy and history, and Spring Arbor University is a uh, um, is a faith based university. So uh, um, there are ample opportunities for me to for us all to talk about that in in the class. What we are, um, um, I guess, we're constantly talking about the fact that um, that the philosophies uh, of others around us are very real. Ideas are real. And it's very important that you know what your ideas are and where they come from. And so we, we talk about that all the time in the classroom. Do you, do you help them build a biblical worldview? I mean, do you help them understand that the world totally, re- almost categorically rejects the biblical worldview? What we do, especially in the philosophy classes, is to uh, um, is to examine, you know, everything. Where where do these ideas come from? Why do you believe this, or why don't you believe it? And um, and we look at the um, you know uh, the reasons uh, and try to encourage them to think for themselves. So yeah, we're we're doing that all the time. We're talking today with Ron Johnson. He is a many-time guest on I Work For Him. He's an author, and he's writing about his life experiences. His first book that I first read was customer service and the imitation of Christ. And it was Ron's story when he was a customer service manager and a customer in in a uh, call center. And it was a great book and I loved it. And so when Ron said, Hey Jim, I wrote another book. 
what does God do from 9 to 5? He said, hey, send me a copy. Let's do a show. So we're talking today with Ron Johnson. He's a professor at Spring Arbor University in Michigan, and he is also an author, and he's written his latest book, What Does God Do from 9 to 5? So, Ron, you, you're an author and a professor, and I imagine you got a personal life, too. How do you manage those roles and get all this stuff accomplished? Because it's it's a lot to teach and it's a lot to write. How do you manage all that and keep your faith at the forefront of what you're doing? Well, keeping Christ at the center really is the issue. Um, as long as you do that, or at least that's what I find, uh, then uh, then wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to serve uh, and trying to be aware of him and uh, guided by him in what I do. But it, it, my, uh, my real calling in life has always been the teaching and the writing and the speaking and so on. And, uh, uh, and as you said, you know, I've got this day job in a customer service uh, call center, but I'm just always trying to, wherever I am at the moment, trying to be aware of him and, uh, and be guided by him. So you're still doing the call center job, too? I am, yes. Okay, so you got three jobs. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> a lot of guys have a hard time struggling with that. Uh, okay, so the and when you're in, like when the book that you wrote, what does God do from nine to five? Do the people that you work with at the call center do they know that you're a writer, that you're an author, that you oh. wrote books about them? Yes. Well, actually, the first one was about uh, was about the call center, of course. Sure. So uh, there were copies uh, that I had uh, circulating there and. Uh, um, and yes, uh, everybody, everybody does know that. That's got to, it puts your faith at the forefront of what you're doing. People are watching you all the time, I imagine, because they're like, okay, hey, he says he's a Christian. Let's just see what he really does when, when life gets it's, stressful. It's worse than that, Jim. Every call is recorded. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it makes it kind of hard. <laughs> so what you, you wrote, uh, let's just talk really quick about your last book. We'll move on to your new book because I want people to know, hey, here's an author. I, I totally recommend everybody, if you're in a customer service position of any kind, you need to get Ron's first book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. Ron, what was the premise of that book for people? Well, I told about my experiences uh, being a professor who uh, didn't have a tenure-track position, so I had to go back to the call center and uh, how that was really a low point in my life, but I, but I discovered that God was uh, wanting to use me in that place. And, uh, but, but people in other lines of business have told me that it's been helpful to them as well, and that I really didn't realize when I was writing it. Uh, I give, try to give practical tips for how to get cooperation from people in other departments, how to survive tough performance reviews, um, how to live on God's schedule even when you're under severe time constraints. So uh, just, you know, drawing on my experiences in the call center, I just talk about how you can live out your, your Christian discipleship on the job. You know, one of the points that stuck with me more than anything was, hey, when I'm on a phone call with a customer, and I, I, you pray. You pray while mm-hmm. you're on the phone call. Uh, for insight on how to help the person, for insight on how to be able to share your faith. I mean, it, you you were you were praying for supernatural intervention in your job, which nobody right. can prevent you for because that wasn't recorded because you're praying. Uh, but uh-huh. that really impacted me. I love that because I use that all the time. And uh, I'm in meetings and and people are asking me tough questions. Uh, usually, I'm they're asking me for advice and I'm like. I just I step for a second. I said, "Lord, I have no idea what I should tell this person. Can you help me out here a little bit? Because right. I am I'm dead on my feet." But it, right. it, it was a really 
A really good point. I loved that. All right, so they can get a hold of that book. Where can they get a copy of your book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ? Well, uh, it is available through Amazon.com. If you just go to Amazon.com and do a uh, um, and do a search for um, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ, then uh, you'll find it there. I also do have an author page uh, on Amazon. It is uh, Amazon.com forward slash author forward slash what does God, uh, yeah, it is what does God do from nine to five. That's the name of my author page, but you'll find both books there. Yeah, if you search for Ron Johnson, that's a rough one. <laughs> that is. <laughs> you, Ronald R. Johnson gets you a little closer, but Janssen is one of those very common names in the upper Midwest. All right, so now right. you've written a new book. What does God do from nine to five? What, what inspired you to write a, a second book? Well, this has been a lifelong pursuit for me to uh, help others to, just like you do, you know, to help others to realize that God is there with you when you're in your cubicle or for students if they're in school and so on. And it's very difficult, I found, for people to see that. And so I wanted to write a book where I would, uh, I deal with the, um, with the paradigm shift that has to happen. How do you, how do you think differently so that you can see it? And that's what this book tries to do. Now, you did this one uh, in a, uh, like a story form, as opposed yeah. to, you were telling people's story, as opposed to last time was really your testimony and kind of sharing it on the, uh, on the, uh, on the pages. So why did yeah. you choose to go this route? Yeah, there it was deliberate because I discovered over the years that even among Christians, there is a wide divergence of uh, beliefs about this. I had a lot of Christians who have been resistant to the idea. They've said, you know, uh, I don't uh, have to serve God in the office. I give money to the Church, and the Church serves God out in the world. Um, or I've had other people say, well, God really doesn't care about our jobs except as just as a mission field, just for us to witness of Jesus Christ, which I, which I certainly believe in. But I also believe God is calling us to do something in that workplace as well. So what I found is that there's a, you know, a lot of different opinions. So I wanted to capture those different voices, those different points of view, and put it into a dialogue and give the reader a chance to try to locate themselves and try to you know, identify with one character or another. And, uh, and then at the same time, I do have a central character who kind of speaks for me, and uh, I hope that I'm giving you uh, new things to think about that, uh, that the average person probably hasn't ever uh, considered before. I like that. So you're trying, and you did have a, a number of characters in there with lots of different world perspectives. And I like that. So you're trying to help people to say, hey, I can relate to this person. I can relate to that person. The book opens up with a scene. I can't remember if it was a city bus or if it was the uh, yeah. on a subway. Was it a bus? It was a city bus, yes. City bus, okay. And they're having conversations. Talk about that conversation that they're having at the beginning of the book. Well, that conversation is really um, um, uh, kind of a how not to do it, uh, a primer, because uh, there's a guy on a bus who is uh, just very controversial, and he likes to start uh, conversations on the commute downtown. And, um, and so he ends up having an argument with a Christian uh, and saying that uh, um, you Christians don't don't realize uh, if your faith is relevant at all uh, to your daily life, you haven't discovered why. 
And so different people try to jump in and they try to explain why Christianity is uh, is relevant, and every single person that tries to do that, he shuts them down. So the two central characters are uh, Savannah and Dayton. They're uh, two young people who have together have come to Christ recently, and now they, and they work together, and they're uh, and they are. Um, uh, 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 very close to one another, and they're trying to figure out how do they take this to the next level? How do they uh, find God uh, more fully in their workday? And so this really just kind of lays it out for them, what they've got to try to understand, uh, and then they end up uh, joining a uh, discussion group at a, a cathedral down the street from where they work, and that is more supposed to be how you should do it, where people are allowed to speak, they're allowed to um, they're allowed to give their differing opinions, but there is a uh, um, there is a, uh, uh, a philosopher in residence who's kind of uh, kind of leading the discussion and trying to help them to see a more uh, biblical way of uh, understanding their lives. Well, and, and when you put that into practical real life, I mean, honestly, I I don't ride city transportation because here in Tampa Bay, that's not real great. Uh, but but I've I've been in many public places, and uh, I you've seen the method of sharing the gospel where people are just they're they're pounding the people with the Bible. But true effective ways to share the gospel is through relationship. We talked a lot about that yesterday on the air. Just that it's all about relationship. Jesus established relationship with people and showed them he loved them, and that's what gave him the opportunity to really dig deep into their lives. And and that's really the premise that in your first scene in the book, people just need to recognize, man, people don't respond to pounding, but they do respond mm-hmm. to love, and they do respond to genuine conversation. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's really what the uh, uh, the discussion group shows, is that, hey, there's no question that's a bad question to ask or that's an inappropriate question to ask, it, but it's how it's asked and is it done with in respect that it, you know with respect that kind of thing right what are some of the things god is doing when we're earning our paycheck because people think that god may be taking a nap during the day or something like that but what, what are some of the things that god's doing when we're earning our paycheck well um i think there are a number of things but uh what i try to do is at least highlight some of the things that uh would help us to uh, understand what we can do uh, in our prayer life and so on to make that connection. And one of the things is that he uh, observes us. Uh, he observes not only what we're doing, but he observes us in the context of the stories that we're playing out. One of the things I try to get across in the book is that our lives are a whole lot more complex than we usually recognize. We are, you know, even when we <laughs> talk about our sure. lives. All you got to do is get married and realize that. Then you have kids. That's right. Wow. That's right. That's right. But the, when we talk about our lives, sometimes we talk as if we have a life story. But what I try to show in the book is that our lives are an immense, uh, uh, oh, it's just a, a whole bunch of stories that are all kind of woven together. And who we are as a person is the result of what we've done and said and thought in all the different episodes and all the different stories that we've lived through. And uh, most of it we haven't even thought about, but we just we just did it. We were just on autopilot. So... What I, I try to show in the book is that God is observing all of this and seeing us in a far more um, multidimensional way than we ourselves even recognize. And so when the Bible says that uh, God, uh, not not a, even a small sparrow falls to the ground without your Heavenly Father knowing it, um, and you are greater than any sparrow, what, it's, what it seems to me that the Bible is saying there is that God is 
not only watching us, not only observing, but observes with that, with that multidimensional sense that you and I don't have. But he's also rooting for us. He, he wants us to be happy, he wants us to be fruitful, and so on. But he's also not going to force us to do uh, the right thing. So he's rooting for us, hoping that we'll make good choices and uh, trying to you know, guide us through those times. But I also argue that he's trying to communicate with us all the time, that he is a, a God who is way ahead of us. Uh, your thoughts are not my thoughts, he says. Uh, my ways are not your ways. I'm, uh, my ways are higher than your ways. And so he's always trying to communicate with us, trying to suggest to us ideas that are uh, just a little bit ahead of, uh, of the curve for us, uh, trying to, to help us to see um, the directions that our life could go. And those are just a few of the things that I think he does. Well, and what, I love the way you summarize that, and, and it is so true. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, a guy that I'm working with asked me a question, well, like, where did all these ideas come from? Like, well, these ideas on who on how to create the, the airplane, on how to create the jet engine, on how to create a car, on how to do manufacturing, these ideas were placed in, God, on, in people's minds by our Heavenly Father, they didn't just come out of anywhere because if they could come out of anywhere for the first 6,000 years of our world, we wouldn't have been living in dirt and tents. Uh, so it's uh, it's amazing how God really wants to interact with us in our work life, and he really cares about the intimate details of our lives. But I think one of your key points was he tries to communicate with us. We, I mean, communication involves two-way, you know, both ways, and a lot of us aren't even listening. Right. Do you ever struggle listening to God when you're working? Well, I mean, I think it, it goes back to the, the whole thing that you said yourself. Um, uh, I think we've all gone through this. We haven't heard enough in our lives, uh, enough uh, detail about what God could do in the workplace. So one of the points I try to make uh, in, the, in the final chapter of the book is I, tr- I try to give some examples of ways that... Uh, uh, that people may find God working in their lives. And, and one of the characters says, you know, never even thought about praying about things like that. And I think that's the issue. I think we, we don't have enough experience knowing what to pray for in the workplace. We, don't, we, we need to hear more about this kind of thing in order to get those ideas uh, sparked for us. Yeah, it's an amazing process. All right, Ron, so let's, I'm just going to kind of pick, as I read through the book, I kind of underlined things that I wanted to talk about, and that's my prerogative. It, yeah. You know, I, I get to do the interview, <laughs> interviewing, but right. but if I hit on something that you want to dig into deeper, all you got to do is say, hey, Jim, what about this? Right. You write in there that God weaves together all the subplots of our lives to transform us into his people. How does he do this? What's it look like? Well, um, the example that I give in the book is the story of Joseph uh, in uh, the book of Genesis, how he was sold by his brothers into slavery, um, and, and things just go from bad to worse. His, uh, uh, he's employed by the uh, governor, Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife tries to use him as a plaything and ends up framing him for a crime he didn't commit, so he gets thrown into prison. Uh, when he's in prison, a guy uh, who has an opportunity to put in a good word for him forgets all about him when he has a chance. You know, just the things just are, are are going from bad to worse through this whole story. 
But somehow, God weaves all of that together for his purposes and moves Joseph into a position to be governor in Egypt, and he's able to, uh, um, and he's able to do uh, great work of uh, saving uh, many people from starvation and a famine and so on. And what I ask you to do in that book is to look at how that story unfolded. There wasn't anybody rooting for Joseph. There wasn't anybody writing him a recommendation or wishing him well. And yet God was using all of the things that happened. It wasn't in spite of these setbacks. It was by means of them. Now, you ask me, how does God do this? I have no idea how God does it, (laughs) but I know from experience that God does it. Well, and I think what would be great for us is for us to give an example of how God weaves together the subplots of our lives in our workplace. Because, And I'll just give my example. Maybe after the break you can give your example. But as I have looked at the jobs that I've had, I had one job uh, before the recession that as I started getting involved in the job, and the job expanded as all jobs do, they always expand to the amount of time that you will allow them to expand to. And I realized, and that job, I'd been in the workforce a little over 22 years when that job started, a little over 20 years when that job started. And that job used every skill I'd ever, ever developed up to that point in time, every skill and a lot of my spiritual skills. Cause it was during that job that I learned that my workplace was my mission field. And so it was incredible. All those subplots, all these random jobs that I had had some out of desperateness. I had to get a job because I got laid off from a job or something like that. I just, it was amazing to see how God used all of that past experience. Ron, I was kind of, just sharing my story and how I've seen God weave together the subplots in my life for his glory. What about you? Were you able to come up with anything? Well, there's all kinds of things, but I I think what, uh, uh, what I'd like to tell about is um, something that I talk a little bit about in the first book, customer service and the imitation of Christ. Um, Let's be clear though. God doesn't promise to make us successful in the eyes of the world. God makes us useful. For his purposes, to be of greater service to others. Um, I mean, that's really what the focus is. And so when I was uh, in my first year working in the customer service call center, um, what I discovered that just really motivated me most of all was um, helping the people uh, who were calling in. And so my uh, call time was just skyrocketing. I was just, you know, I was spending all this time talking to each individual person, and I'm supposed to be, uh, as, as I talk about in that other book, you're supposed to move them in, move them out. You know, you don't, you don't uh, spend a lot of time talking to one customer. Well, what I found, though, is that in that first year or so, I ended up um, uh, making a name for myself in the call center as somebody who could get results done. So when there was an opening for uh, a special elite team that was called the Resource Center, um, then the the manager of that team actually came to me and asked me uh, to apply for that position. And at first I was was just really um, uh, rather uh, uh, reluctant to take it because I didn't think I knew enough. But this was a, a special team that would be uh, who the all the call center people would call if they had questions. And that was the part that, you know, that was really daunting to me. But also, they would come to us if they needed extra help to solve a problem for a customer. And uh, I, of all the years that I've worked in the call center, that job that I had, uh, that I was asked to, uh, uh, to take, that was my favorite one because we were a team of six people who were just really passionate about, going farther for the customer, getting them 
the help that they needed when nobody else could help them. And, uh, you know, it was something that I didn't see myself going in that direction at all, but obviously that was God, something God was preparing me to do. So, yes, he spent some time preparing, you had your heart ready, and then the time was right. It's, you know, you write this book, you've written this book, What Does God Do From 9 to 5? We're talking to Ron Johnson, the author of that book, What Does God Do From 9 to 5? And I think it's really important that we understand that God really wants to be involved in all of the details of all of our lives, and that he, that he created us to have an intimate relationship with us regarding all the details. But is it possible, Ron, for us to understand all that God is up to 9 to 5? Well, that word understand, uh, no. No, it's not possible for us at all. We don't have nearly um, the range of intelligence to even begin to understand uh, all or even a, a significant part of what God is doing. But the good news is that we don't need to know either. Uh, we don't need to understand. Our task is to, to be receptive to what God is asking us to do with our small piece of the puzzle. But, um, but I do argue in the book that, you know, God is just doing so much. And, and I, I think part of it also is that the world that we live in and our own lives are so immensely complex that, uh, no, I don't think we have the intelligence to understand, to see that whole picture. But we are reaching out to a God who does. Yeah, you write on page one, uh, 125, my contention is that God grasps the grasps the whole, even though we can't, that, you know, we struggle with trying to understand all that's going on, that, that God really, um, he, he understands it all. But then you go on on page 127 and I, and I underline, actually I underlined almost all of page 127. God is involved in all the stories of our individual lives and is working through them to mold us into who we were meant to be. Then it's plausible that God is equally involved in all the stories of our lives as a people and is working through those stories to mold us as a people into what God wants us to be. That God is transforming us into people we're meant to be, into the world we're meant to be in. In biblical language, God is working through us collectively to bring about the reign of God on earth. I mean, that's really the summary of your mm-hmm. book, that what God yeah. is doing nine to five. Not that I'm trying to be done because we're not done yet, but I, I loved right. that whole page. You had so much, so much in there and, and you tied it into parts of the, um, uh, the scripture, the prayer that the Lord's prayer, you know, thy kingdom mm-hmm. come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. Well, how did that, as God revealed that to you, that he was so intricately involved in our business day. How did that transform you and how you operate in your three businesses all day long? Um, well, uh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Um, I mean, I mean, I think it just goes back to what uh, I was saying just a moment ago. Um, it, I believe that any time I'm praying to God, I'm praying to a God who sees this whole massive picture. And in a way, it's kind of like a vacation. You know, if you, if you really understand what you're doing when you're praying, it's kind of like you're going on vacation, because you're, you're accessing uh, this God who uh, is in touch with everything and everybody, and knows uh, everything that's going on everywhere. And uh, so for me, I, I think what I try to focus on is just, just focusing on Him. And being receptive to what it is he's trying to do in, in my particular situation, recognizing that he is speaking out of a wealth uh, of knowledge and understanding that just vastly beyond anything I, uh, I uh, will ever understand. 
Yeah, and it's and it's as I get older, I seem to understand how very little I understand. When I was younger, <laughs> I thought I had it all figured out. But as yeah. as even as and I keep going back, I, I do this all I use space analogies. I, I loved Star Trek the next generation, I love Star Trek period. But even when mm. Star Trek was being developed, the next generation, we hadn't gotten all of the details out of this the Hubble Space Telescope. But now we know that the known universe is somewhere over seven billion light years in one direction and over seven mm. billion light years another direction. And right. Every time we focus it on one spot for a period of time, we get to see how unbelievably exquisite that section of the universe is. Uh-huh. And, and, and God put that all into place. And right. how, I mean, billions of light years, I mean, we don't even talk about how long it takes to get there. Well, billions of light years it takes to get there. Right. It, it makes it big. So let, let's break this down. You also hit on a topic, almost a political topic in the, in the book talking about the company because in our world today companies are demonized by the media as impersonal as the companies are some sort of a an entity that lives and breathes on its own yet you break out and define company with god's definition what is that well, um, no, I wasn't so bold to say that it was god's definition but I did uh, try to uh, try to uh uh, at least get the idea across that it doesn't do us any good to think of these companies as having uh, an independent existence. What a company is, like a, any kind of a, a name of a company or a logo or so on, this is just a, a brand that we use for our limited intelligence to try to understand and, and make sense out of the world around us. But a company is really just uh, a, a lot of people. I mean, maybe tens of thousands of people, but still, it's a lot of people working together to do something together. So, for example, if I say that uh, I work for Roper Technologies, you know, uh, we may think of Roper Technologies as this thing that actually exists, but Roper Technologies, if you and I work for it, Jim, that means that you, it's you and me and thousands of other people who are all working together to try to provide technology solutions. And right. because we banded together to do that, we need buildings to work in. We need a, a name of the company, so we, you know, we give it a name. There's got to be people uh, in the top seats who kind of uh, oversee everything. But what Roper Technologies is is a bunch of people who are work, have agreed to work together to accept each other's authority and so on, to break out into different um, uh, job uh, descriptions and so on. But it's a bunch of people. Ultimately, what I argue is that what we call this company is us. It's, it's us, human beings, who are coming together to do things. And you start to look at things differently when you recognize that really companies are people. They're not – and there's a danger when, when you when – you, um, you know, like, well, hey, you start bashing a company. Really what you're doing is you're bashing all of these people. Now, there may be some individuals within the company that – deserve some scrutiny but it's not all the people all the time just like it's not none of the people none of the time there's always something that's going on but the same thing happens within our churches as we try to understand how we 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 talk about the church as a company but it's really not it's made up of an intricately exquisite number of people with infinitely complex gifts talents and uh, abilities and it's not the church; it's these people that are making an impact. Mm-hmm. Well, 
there's two ways of looking at that that, uh, I mean, each has its own merits, but the one is to look at the church assembled when we're together, like uh, on Sundays or in worship or, uh, uh, or uh, uh, in Scripture study or so on. When we're assembled together, that's one thing. But God is also depending on us to be the body of Christ uh, scattered throughout the world. And that's the part that uh, a lot of times we just have trouble um, imagining and following through on that we're still the body of Christ, even though we're not assembled at those moments. Ron works a few jobs. He's a professor at Spring Arbor University, so he teaches students about how to connect their faith in the workplace through, I think you said, philosophy and history. And he also is, he works within a call center. Uh, that's his, also his daytime job, and he writes books. So, Ron, as we come to the end of this conversation, a couple more pieces in the book that I really wanted you to, to talk about. Number one was, how do you see the Holy Spirit? How do you see Holy Spirit fitting into this whole plan of God between nine to five? Well, uh, I go back to what John the Baptist said when he was asked about Jesus. He said, speaking about Jesus, he said, he must increase, I must decrease. And I see it this way, that we're, this is what we're doing as Christians all the time. We're trying to get God's Spirit to increase within us and it be less of us and more of him. And what I try to show in the book, this is again in the last chapter of it, I try to show examples of what what happened there. I give an example of a bill collector who is able to discern the people that he's talking to, whether they're cooperative or whether they're not. I talk about a woman who's asked to to write a manual uh, for her department to bring some uh, cohesion and coherence to the department and so on. It can have very practical results if we just open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit working through us in, uh, in a work setting. Yeah, it's so, it's such a foreign idea, or at least it was the first time somebody told me that. I'm like, really? But it is so practical, because God already knows all the answers. <laughs> Why not ask him? And Jesus right. said, listen, I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to send the counselor to you. I'm going to send you your professional inside advisor who will guide you. I will live inside of you and help you lead a life of following me. And, and it just why we we a lot of churches don't even teach about the holy spirit at all if the holy spirit was meant to be the the cornerstone of our walk in faith because it's god living inside of us ron when you wrote this book last question what was the one thing that you wanted absolutely for readers to come away understanding well to use your star trek language you were mentioning before um there's an adventure here and most people don't even realize that. Uh, and I'm hoping that people will boldly go where uh, where many Christians have not ever even thought of going before, and that is uh, discovering, discovering what is it that Jesus Christ would do in this workplace if I would just be open to it. Let's find out. Mm, I love that. Ron Johnson, author, professor, and works in a call center. Thank you so much for being on I Work for Him today. Great conversation, and keep writing these great books, and, and let's stay in touch, sir. Thanks, Jim. All right. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work for Him show, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got something out of the conversation with Ron and I today. As we talk about what does God do from 9 to 5, it's so important that we recognize that, he, that God really does care. 
about what we do 9 to 5. And then he really wants to be involved in those details. Hey, thanks so much to Ace Andrews. Did a great job keeping the show together today. Lots of uh, different electronic connections. Thanks to our show sponsors for keeping us on the air. We're so grateful to those show sponsors. Go out to iWorkForM.com on that front page. Go out there and see the ministries and businesses that are sponsoring us and make sure you thank them. When you get home today, take some time and go out to iWorkForHim.com and join the iWorkForHim nation. Listen, we need to take our, our nation back for Christ. And the only way we're going to do that is by taking Christ into our workplaces. You and I can do that by making that commitment to join the nation and start praying for our coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Remember, there's an epic battle out there for the souls of our coworkers and employees. The enemy takes it seriously. Are you? You've been listening to the I Work For Him radio program with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately I figured this out a little while ago. I work for him. <laughs>